to the show. My name is Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to episode 61 of Slick Talk titled A Mirror Image. We have a lot to unpack in today's main event. Beforehand, though, I wanted to give a little bit of a recap, debrief, if you will, of episode 60, Fuel Forum Noir. I'm excited to hear some of your reactions, especially from folks who have been listening to us for a long time. You know, at this point, our show has a fairly established framework. Most episodes tend to follow certain parameters as far as, you know, what kind of segments we do. You have familiar notes that kind of remind you that you're listening to Slick Talk. And and we certainly had those in episode 60, but we played around a lot with effects and presentation, kind of going about our lessons on what we do in and around Blackstone. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear your feedback on that show. If you haven't yet, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. But if you are listening on another platform that does allow the opportunity to leave a star rating, a review, go ahead and plug in whatever your comments are, your feedback on episode 60. Let us know what you thought, if that's something you would like to see more of. A main objective for me with that episode was to sort of show the different ways in which we can communicate our message. You know, it doesn't always have to be a lecture. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a call and response to certain questions. You know, we can approach these things differently. Not only does it grab your attention in a different way, it kind of shows off what we and especially uh, my co-producer Josh can do behind the boards. So... A lot of fun was had during the making of that episode. I'd love to do more kind of in a similar vein. The noir angle is definitely appealing to me, especially given the fact I'm probably watching, you know, a 40s noir at least like once a week in my free time. So love to hear your feedback on that episode. Feel free to do that in a review. You can also go on our YouTube videos, leave comments, or uh, tag us in InstaStory. Full lot of methods do that sort of interaction. So don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts on the episode. Today's title could have lended itself to another you know, noir-esque approach, but I wanted to be a bit more to the point this time around because I know that this is a uh, situation that many of you might find yourselves in. And that is changing oil types and wondering what to expect from the results. Today's example follows a owner of a Ford F-250 powered by a 6.0 liter power stroke, making a change from a 5W40 to a 15W40. Same blend, in this case I believe it was T6, but they hadn't made this sort of shift before and they were left wondering what would happen. And... The short answer is the results were a mirror image. And I'm going to break down exactly how these results mirrored each other and and what the owner could expect moving forward. But the good news is these results don't only apply to a 6.0 power stroke powering an F250. You can expect results to be a mirror image between one brand or blend to another as long as you are sticking with the program, the program being the same sort of maintenance, oil change interval, no sudden issues with contamination, etc. If you stick to the script and you switch to a different product, we don't have reason to expect the results to be anything but a mirror image. 
allow me to set the scene. The other day I was behind the keyboard pulling up data and I found a sample from the F-250 in question. And it's funny, you know, when I look at these samples, I can tell right away by a, the presence of a few hallmarks what I'm probably looking at. I look at the data and I see the presence of arch oil. It jumps out in potassium and boron. I see a viscosity that's low and it's low in the absence of any measurable fuel. And then I look and I see a noticeable amount of soot in the insolubles tube. Right away, I have a very good inclination. I'm looking at a diesel engine, one that's running arch oil and with no fuel to thin the viscosity, my mind goes immediately to the 6.0 power stroke. If you haven't heard me break down the 6.0 power stroke and its tendency to harmlessly shear the oil, I'll just go into that a little bit right now. While it can sound a little menacing when you say the word, it's not something that you need to correct. In fact, if you go to a thicker grade, as you'll see in this example I'm about to bring up, it's probably going to be low then too. And the thing is, is in the absence of excess wear and any other issue in the data that we can obtain, a slightly low viscosity just isn't reason to worry. Don't lose sleep over it, especially if you're seeing signs of adequate lubrication in healthy wear levels, either compared to averages or what we typically see from your engine. That's the benefit of having trends established. Then you don't need to view the viscosity as something to correct. In fact, it's really just a number on a page that of course we will pay attention to if it's far lower than usual or we'll be sure to mention if we see that excess fuel might also be playing a role. You know, we won't dismiss the role of fuel if it is a factor. And of course we can tell based on the flashpoint temperature, how much fuel you're looking at. But when a viscosity is low on its own, and it tends to be almost every 6.0 sample I look at, it's really not the concern that some owners can think of it as. So after looking through the data and seeing nothing terribly wrong, I was also mindful of what the owner was asking about on the slip. They mentioned that they had to switch to 1540 from their typical 5W40 due to, you guessed it, a supply chain issue. And they were naturally a little wary of the change. Some listeners out there might already know where I'm going with this in that the change from 5W40 to 15W40 is really uh, marginal, to put it mildly. Uh, it's such a slight difference. And in fact, a difference that will really only stand out if you're testing the low temperature viscosity. That's the temperature that oil is when it's cold, not in circulation, not being fully warmed up to operating temperature you won't see a difference in the way a 5W40 measures of operating temperature and a 15W40, and your engine really shouldn't notice the difference either. You can expect adequate lubrication. But the owner nevertheless is wading into uncharted waters and want to know what the situation was. So here's what we had. We had wear levels that increased a bit, and thankfully this is where the role of the analyst is just so important. If you're left to your own devices, you can see increased metals and think, oh my gosh, well, what's causing this? My engine is wearing more than it was. This might be the early stages of a problem. And fortunately, you know, this owner wasn't sending their samples into a lab that only, you know, provides wear levels and no additional explanation and, you know, and in even worse cases, you can see a 
flag or a cautionary mark on a wear level and a simple note that it's high and never take into account varying factors that could have influenced it. That doesn't happen at Blackstone. And the reason is we take into account context surrounding these results. And one of those important factors was mileage on the oil. The customer had tried a longer oil run. And if you looked at how much metal was being made on per mile basis, which of course we did, you can see that a longer run played an obvious role in metals, mainly iron increasing. So right away, we could see a lineup of wear metals that matched up well, both compared to what we typically see from these engines on average and what we had seen from this customer's own trends. Of course, we keep track of trends because we want the whole narrative. We don't just want a snapshot of how your engine is wearing at any particular point in time. Obviously, you have to start somewhere, but we had the benefit of looking back and having a firmly established wear profile. So we saw no ill effects in the spectral exam. Now, here's the one exception I will want to cover. If you do try a different brand or blend, the results may not be a mirror image in terms of the additive lineup, but that's not important, which is why I didn't lead with it because additive elements, they're normally going to vary due to the recipe and we don't see these shifts. For example, if you change from one oil that doesn't have a lot of magnesium to an oil that does, but then they have a reduction in calcium. When you get lost in the weeds here with additives, you can miss everything else that's going on. I think people can get wrapped up in these additives and they want them to explain everything when in truth, the simple statement that oil is oil holds true when you go to the wear levels, when you go to other factors like you know, whether or not that oil kept a proper viscosity, you don't see like a viscosity suddenly not be low in a 6.0 just because of additives. You know, you can try whatever additive package you want. It's, it's probably going to be low no matter what kind of additive package you have. Now, maybe you'll see a bit stronger TBN if you have an oil running more calcium than others because that's the element that inflates or causes a higher TBN, but again, the oil will do its job of providing adequate cleaning and lubrication if you're using an API certified product that has specs that match what the manufacturer wants. You have to go to operational factors, presence or lack thereof of contamination. How's the oil filter working? Don't get wrapped up in the additives. So that's my spiel there as far as what you can expect to not be a mirror image. So in this case though, the switch from 5W40 to 15W40, there was no change in the additives. The viscosity was mirror, I think we're looking at one to two Sable universal seconds apart. I mean, pretty much as close as you can expect. Even, you know, even two samples from the same fill might measure slightly differently based on the temperature. So no issue there. We have a viscosity that's on par. We have wear levels that are stable. The TBN was on par with the customer's most recent sample of 5W40. So the switch to 15W40, we're not seeing any noticeable change here. And I think that at the end of the day, these results being a mirror image, as close as really you can realistically expect, 
is something that I pretty much expected, you know, given how many samples I've looked at from owners trying different brands or blends or trying, you know, mixes. Often you'll see people try and combine different products to reach, you know, what, what they want as an ideal ad of makeup. I didn't expect to see anything different. And sure enough, the results were indicative of oil being oil, doing its job, and you can expect nothing less. So whether you're making a change because of a supply chain issue or maybe your oil change place need to, you know, use one quart of 5W40 and four quarts of 1540, don't get too wrapped up in marginal differences. You know, when you're looking at such a slight difference in viscosity or an additive element that's a bit more prevalent compared to what you were running before, at the end of the day, if the engine is in good shape, and you're not suddenly asking it to do more than it was already. You know, that that's another situation I run into quite often where an owner will send in a sample. You know, the engine's been doing, let's just say, a normal stop and go traffic, a little bit of highway mixed in. And then say they take this car to the track and then they, they tried a different oil type in the meantime. And then you'll see these changes in the wear profile, and maybe you might also have a difference in TBN, but it's after a very distinct difference in operation. And then generally the first instinct is to say, well, the oil is the reason without taking into account what that oil is being asked to do. If you're asking the same thing of two different products in an engine that's in good shape, you should expect similar results. And I think that just makes it easy when you're in the business of taking care of whatever machine it is that needs oil to do its job. My view is uh, we, we have enough going on in the world to be anxious about and switching to a different product for whatever reason shouldn't be one of those things that, uh, that clouds the mental. So rest easy when you're taking care of whatever it is that needs oil to do its job. That's my spiel for the day. I've, I've said my piece. I'm off my soapbox as far as petroleum-based information goes. We are still in the thick of March Madness. I hope everyone's brackets survive if you're into that sort of thing. I mean, I can't blame you. Personally, the first two days of March Madness are my favorite days of the year. Other people might say Christmas. Other people might say Thanksgiving. And yeah, those days are pretty good too, but they also involve a lot of obligations to others. Whereas like selfishly, all I have to worry about is what I'm throwing on the smoker or the Weber and how stationary I can be uh, on my couch. Because, you know, that's what, we, that's what we work for. That's what we pay taxes for, right? All right, so best of luck to anyone who actually cares about a bracket. Mine is basically... Uh, well, it's been soaked in kerosene and dropped into a bonfire at this point, but I'm still having fun watching and I'm still having fun bringing this show to all of you. Thank you so much for sticking with us through 61 episodes. Don't forget what I mentioned earlier. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our previous episode, episode 60, Fuel Form Noir, I encourage you to do that. It is a experimental episode, to say the least. We had a lot of fun taking this different approach. We would like to hear what you thought of it. And of course, as always, we have more where that came from. This is Blackstone Joe signing off.